Women's Power to Heal Mother Earth This is Maya to Worry I speak to you today about food, breath, and sound. In the ancient wisdom of the Vedas, we consider these three templates to be the sustainer of life, in that we must preserve them with our life force. Because once these elements of food, breath, and sound are contaminated, impaired, vitiated, or destroyed, we cannot sustain life. These three templates that sustain life are the most important guide to living a humane, human life. Through my own journey of healing, I have come to discover the kitchen as a wondrous arena of joy. And so will you, if you listen carefully. Nature's foods, with her limitless smells and sounds, tastes, sights, textures, enliven every cell, tissue, and memory. Because the whole platform of our vital tissues are without any discrepancy flawlessly aligned to the tissue memory of the plant and Mother Earth's elements and we'll talk about that in another episode. But when we reclaim our kitchen as the altar of wholeness wholesomeness, nourishment, nutrition. When we reclaim our kitchens as the centerpiece of sanctity within our home, we then have a direct means to consciousness at any time and every time that we enter that space. The eyes become the gateway to divine light, the ears the pathway to inner harmony. The tongue imbibes a kaleidoscope of cosmic flavors. Through your sense of touch, you experience the warmth or coolness and the textures of the universe. All of these experiences have the power to bring your inner rhythms into harmony to make serene the chaotic nuances underlying our lives today. Recalling the memory of my forebears, simple earthly kitchen in Guyana, South America. Of course, I have not duplicated the earthen walls or wood-burning stove. But anyone can outfit your kitchen with clay and wooden bowls and utensils, a wooden rolling pin and board, straw baskets, a bamboo sieve, strainer, food steamers, a few stainless steel and enamel, pots and pans, a pressure cooker, 
large mortar and pestle or small ones. And when you do this and replace the high-consuming technological mess that our electrical equipment and appliances create, your heart will begin to feel whole again and filled with the special remembrance of your ancestors. As you put the practices, wholesome practices of food, into play, you might recover your ability to become mindful of everything around you. Your instrument of perception, the mind and its senses, also can become refined, filling the spirit with joy and light and love for no reason at all, other than you're in the wholesome grasp of living life in the sanctity of your kitchen. At once our inner rhythms merge into sentiency, harmony, and our intuitive ability blossoms and we move closer into completely healing for that moment. Oh, wow, how often I have been awed and swelled in my heart by the motion and sound of pounding husk off whole grains or using a mortar and pestle, or as we call it in Japan, a suribachi, to invoke and strengthen the rhythmic beat of my heart. As I took the pounding grains, boom, 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 I felt an awakening within, the sifting of grain, the susura sound, of shifting a basket of grains, brown rice for instance, to separate the husk or stones from the actual rice. Shh, 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 shh. Creates such a soothing sound, silence, imploring me to get to that still point of my own being, regardless the chaos that surrounded me. It brings my prana, which is our life force, more than breath, but it goes through the breath channels, brings that into fluid motion. The shh, shh, shh of sifting grains winnowed out any and all discordant thoughts in my mind. That precise sound and movement came from cutting the vegetables along their lifeline. Imagine that vegetables and all living things have the same pranic lifeline as the humans. Less complex, but nonetheless, there is a life force central, centrifugal line. And when we honor that in the preparation of our vegetables and fruits, wow, Mother Universe herself opens up her arms and welcomes us into her blissful state of knowing. The anatomical forms that I have observed since having survived ovarian cancer in the most miraculous of ways,
have sharpened my senses. Every bite we eat, every motion we engage, every sound we make, when in the spirit of this wholesome practice of awareness, invokes the universe's protective, sentient, and loving vibrations and memories. Plants bend to the tides of the season and prostrate themselves to yield their food to all creatures. Season after season they dazzle us with their beauty, bringing forth exquisite flowers, fruits, fragrances, colors, and joyous sustenance. In the winter they retreat back to Mother Earth, to the womb of their safety, to replenish the cosmic memory of their sacred seed. And in the spring they open wide again, becoming blossoming, blossoming and revealing what we cannot see within the denseness of Mother Earth. If we are to align our lives with the life of a plant and simply emulate its memory of random selfless acts of giving, we would know that the most divine action we can perform in any one sacrifice, in any one attention to the detail of living harmoniously, we would know that that sacrifice is exemplified every moment of every day by every tree and every plant and every shrub, grass and herb. The Vedic ancients tell us that the most significant thing we can do as a human person is to take nothing from life for ourselves, but to give ourselves to life and therefore, everything comes back to us. But we never do it for that reason. Plant life is food. Anam, aushadam, asti. Food is medicine and plant life is food. There's no other definition for food other than plant life. In the Vedas, there are exceptions. There were sacrifices made of the animals. There is a lot of stories and a lot of myths and a lot of realities and truths behind other species, but they were never intended to be our food, except in conditions of survivalism, in conditions where we live above the tree line or where the climate was so difficult arduous and winters were so long that we actually needed the memory withheld within the cell of the beautiful animals for our survival and they sacrificed for us especially when we did the prayer for them to be able to receive that gift but that is neither here nor there and we will not get into that topic of animal being slaughtered and eaten because they were never 
quite slaughtered, they were hunted, and there is a difference. And the consciousness with which they were hunted is very different from the slaughterhouses and the barbaric acts of what we consider fodder and food for the human society today in our modern living. Very, very different from what I'm talking about. According to the Vedic principle of dana, Sanskrit word that means giving, it's a mudra that is open-handedness, meaning charity, meaning giving something back to the mother, giving something back to Mother Earth, taking in nature's foods as were intended to foster in us the ability to give of ourselves. Food is greater than the proportion of a meal. Food is greater than the collection of our organic farms and the produce thereof. Food is greater than what we use to sustain our little individual lives. Food is about fostering the ability to give of ourselves. The more we give, the greater our gifts become. The more awareness we cull, we garner, we gather in order to understand this symbiotic, sympathetic, incredibly, indelibly, immutable relationship with Mother Earth, the more we can engender the gift of selflessness, the gift of giving, the gift of being aware of what we use from the earth. So important is this one mudra, this one, not just the act where the hand becomes in a certain posture of open-handedness, but the dana mudra is a way to remember, to remind us, to cultivate this phenomenal virtue of simply culling, gathering our awareness, and then giving away what we do not need and what we purposely give for the benefit of all or others. At this very moment, you may take a few minutes and practice the hand gesture, the brief description of which I would try to put in the write-up for this episode. But basically, stretch your arm outward with palm facing up and then dropping the palm at the wrist down into a vert into a right angle to your arm with palm facing out and all fingers tucked straightly downward. And that is called the dana mudra, D-A-N-A. Mudra simply means the posture of the hand that influences certain breath force, life force, an energetic field, vibrational arena within the human person. At this very moment, you may take a few moments and practice the hand gesture for any reason or no reason at all. The kitchen, how I love my kitchen. And it's at this late stage of my life 
One of the few things that I call mine, my kitchen, the sadhana kitchen, the kitchen for wholesome revival, regardless of what is being put upon me, regardless of the field of chaotic madness that I am deemed to walk in my karma, regardless of those who intend harm or good or whatever, regardless of it all, I have always sought sanctuary, not at the altar of my prayer, but at the altar of my sustenance, the kitchen. I go in and I make sure my wooden cutting board is there, my beautiful knife is there, and that what I prepare in a meal is my space, my inner space to continue to hold on, however furtively, to my sentiency, to my awareness, to get back to the core of who I am. And there's been so much chaos, as you know, from listening to my prior episodes in the past decade, that my center of still point, my rescue, my incredible, unimpeachable sanctuary has been now a very simple kitchen. Sometimes I wish I had all of my incredible sacred weaponry around me in my kitchen. I miss seeing, drying my herbs. I miss growing my gardens. I miss hanging the herbs to dry and smell the aroma flooding my kitchen. I miss seeing an array of my spices lined up in open shelves. I miss the sound of the surabachi. I miss so many things, but not in a way that I miss because I'm attached. I remember them, I should say, rather than miss. But in the present condition that I found myself living in, that did not allow for the abundance of my tools around me, I have made myself become accustomed to and satisfied with and thankful for as well the few tools that I still have that represent the incredible universal celestial arena of all the greatness that we can bring to our kitchen and remember, I remember this, I understand this, I know this, less is more. Throw out the irrelevant from your kitchen. The old spices, the electronics, the electricals, the ta-ta-ta-ta. We do not need to pulverize millions of seeds to make milk which we can't drink. I mean, we can't drink the original milk because we have a philosophy that prevents us from it or because that milk has been poisoned. Whichever our case is for not drinking milk, we shan't be pulverizing a million incredible sacred seeds just to fill our tummies with some form of milk. All of the tan matra, which is a Sanskrit word for the energy quantum of the food, is perfectly destroyed when we pulverize these seeds. But let me get back to food. 
food takes us through the complete cycle of evolution from the original cosmic seed to the fragile sprout to the flourishing plant and its fruits and to our sustenance imagine that food is memory and eating is remembering when we understand the cyclical wisdom unto which life is nourished nurtured and healed we will be fully awakened thank you for listening and peace be your journey we will continue again soon